district, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash off is the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. Trade's not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T district, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I'll always be traded. And I'll always be traded. And I'll always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. Alright, well, welcome and what is up Fantasyland? We are live right now with uh, Scott Pianowski of Yahoo Sports and we are already three weeks into the season. That's 20 to 25% of the way through the fantasy regular season, depending on how your regular season runs. But that's, it's almost crazy to think about, but that's just how short the season is. So we're at the point where the teams, the players, they're coming into focus and it's really time to. Uh, time to throw away those preseason hot takes. Time to embrace what's real. Don't get off, drawn off track by the mirages, but just figure it out, and we're here to help you do that. And, and to do that today, as I said, we do have Scott Pianowski with us today from Yahoo Sports, one of my earliest friends of, from fantasy football days, way back in, I think it was 1990. Uh, Scott and I first ran into each other on the Prodigy uh, message boards. And... Uh, we, we've been bouncing stuff off each other ever since. It's, uh, it's, it's been a great time. And I just always love to get Scott's thoughts on the season, especially, um, you know, like right, not too far uh, into draft season. And then also right now when, uh, you know, we're, we're starting to get things figured out. So, Scott, thanks for joining us today. And uh, why don't you tell us what you've got going on, anything you want to plug, anything else you want to say? Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's great to reconnect with smart people. And in the case of Dan, a very old friend. I always tell the story that he gave me the Randy Moss intel before anybody else had it. Said he scored like eight touchdowns in the last practice. And, you know, even though teams don't use three receivers in 1998, the Vikings are going to use Randy Moss. You want him on all your teams. I didn't draft him on all my teams, but I had some of them. I made a little bit of money on Randy Moss. I should have gone to the moon with Randy Moss and said, I, you know, I got to the clouds. But it was, wasn't 1998 fun. The Super Bowl I cry for. We should have had Broncos oh, and Vikings, damn Gary Anderson. But, um, yeah, the goal is to figure out the season and adjust quicker than everybody else, right? You do all the work, lift all the weights, take all the reps, do all the best balls, and then when the real games are played, and all that stuff means more than anything we can glean in the summer, you have to adjust, you have to pivot. And NFL, I'm going to come out hot with a couple of quick things here. NFL is all about being wrong, right? I mean, we're gonna, we may look back and say, how did the Carolina Panthers not take C.J. Stroud? I am blown away at C.J. Stroud is behind you know, five lawn chairs, and he looks poised and doesn't take sacks. And he's making a receiver room that I like, but it, it's not like the best receiver room in the league or anything. He's making those guys all playable. So what, what was I wrong about? Well, plenty of things. We don't have enough time to go into all of it, but I'm betting Sam Laporta props every week because I'm sick over having him nowhere, pretty much. And Sam Laporta is a grown-ass man, and he's, he's setting also. And this week is going to be the people pounding on the table. Oh, he's a top eight tight end. No, he's a top five tight end. No, he's a top two tight end. It doesn't matter. We're all in love with Sam Laporta. I'm in love with Sam Laporta. 
and I'm only benefiting from it with props, which even the prop market's going to blow out now because he, he had too good of a game in week three. But wrong about Laporta, the rookie tight end thing throwing in the garbage. I ranked Garrett Wilson over Devontae Adams by the final bell. And I know I took Wilson over Adams at least once or twice. But whatever, it's not fair to Wilson the run out, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt in 15 seconds. Obviously, Zach Wilson is a total brick. But the old me, the, the old p would have been like, I'm going to keep taking Devontae Adams until it proves to be wrong. You're giving me me Devontae Adams in the second round? Thank you. That was the old me. The new me is like, oh, no, I got to get younger. I got to skate to where the puck is headed. I got to be cool and take boutique Garrett Wilson over Devontae Adams, who has never steered me wrong once he broke. I, last year, Derek Carr played like garbage. Devontae Adams was great. Jimmy Garoppolo's not good. Doesn't matter. They may be playing a 58-year-old Brian Hoyer or an inexperienced Aiden O'Connell soon. That's not going to matter because Devontae Adams is unbreakable. And I have all these Garrett Wilson shares that the force hold you can't trade them. I should have been in on that, the old whiteouts. Also, I just told a good friend of mine, my friend Chris, in text right before, he said, dude, I got a really good receiver room. I have to drop somebody. I can't trade these guys, JSN or Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson was one of my go get em guys. And Sam Howell, man, you find somebody who will hold you as long as Sam Howell holds the football. Nine sacks last week against Buffalo. Even the game he quote-unquote played well against Denver, I thought he got lucky on some throws that looked like medicine balls. Man, uh, if you guys could take could take my Garrett Wilson, Jahan Dotson shares, you know, the it's the it's not your fault, All-Stars. DJ Moore lives in that space. I know he's been quasi-productive for two straight weeks, but how can you win with Justin Fields? It's not your fault, DJ Moore. It's not your fault, Garrett Wilson. It's not your fault, Jahan Dotson. But I got the last two guys on my teams, and it's really killing me right now. Scott, it was a it was a boutique that somebody threw a brick through the window of <laughs> when you go from from Aaron Rodgers uh, to Zach Wilson, though, with Garrett Wilson. So we'll give you an asterisk on that one. Jahan Dotson, very, very, very disappointing. Uh, Dan, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I've got a small truckload of Jahan Dotson shares I need to unload somewhere as well. So uh problem is every, everywhere I take them, uh, nobody's buying. So, you know, that, that that's the way it goes. Uh, you know, and I definitely had some Garrett Wilson over Devontae Adams. I wish I had more Adams, uh, less Wilson. But, um, you know, I, I tried to make up for it in my Keenan Allen shares. So at least those are looking good. So. Well, the, you mentioned Allen, right? Uh, I was looking over today. And again, old P&L, take the boring, you know, Rolo Abanias All-Stars, which is kind of like the Joseph Adai All-Stars for football. I would have been all over the Keenan Allens and the Devontae Adamses. And you know, Adam Thielen is on some of my teams. I, look, he's 33. That, that could go. Adam Thielen could be a drop in a few weeks. I get it. He just had the best game he's going to have all season. But I used to be all about boring veterans. And you, I'll take the guys that nobody else wants to take. And, and not every pick has to be a hair on fire upside pick. And this is a great year. I mean, look, look at Keenan Allen. And look, the setup now, right? He's getting a million targets, and people say, oh, well, there's nobody else there. They're going to gang up. But Keenan Allen catches passes that the defense is actually content to give up a lot of the time, right? Football, defense has gotten pretty boring in a lot of ways. It's so much, and Moss changed the game, right? When Randy Moss came to the NFL, defensive coordinator said, okay, we got to play a defense now that doesn't allow an 80-yard touchdown on every play because this guy could do it. This guy scares the living pants off us too deep shell, make them beat you with 13-play drives or 17-play drives if you're the New England Patriots. If the Patriots throw a pass for 20 yards, I'm going to like start hugging strangers, man. It kills me. I'll, I'll never get over the Nikhil Harry draft when they could have had Debo, they could have had McLaurin, they could have had DK, uh, all a million great receivers in that class. They took Nikhil Harry, who couldn't run away from any of the three of us. But um, yeah, these old receivers, you know, Keenan Allen is going to get targeted off the bot. It's, it's just sickening now how, how good of a play he is. And I'm underweight on Keenan Allen. And you, know, you can't really buy, I guess you could buy high on him. 
if we redrafted now, I think he'd be at worst a third round pick and might go in the second round. He might he might go in some first rounds. I yeah, mean, maybe Allen, you know, now it, sure. now the uh, the target share is going to be north of thirty percent. Mm-hmm. He has a career high in catches, uh, breaks the Chargers record for most catches in a game, and sets a personal record in in yardage. It's wild. The guy's ageless. Uh, guys, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Dan's got a bunch of great questions for Scott uh, to help you get ready for week four. Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler? On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement when I saw Sleeper rolled out. Sleeper picks, baby. And game stacking is the path to positive returns with these pick'em games. Find that sneaky shootout and set most of the players to go over their projection for that week. Or you find a game going to get dragged into the mud and take every member of the passing game for less than their projections that week. And if you pick up to eight, that's how you 100x your payout on Sleeper. It's called the Hail Mary. So if you use promo code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match. Check out Sleeper's terms and conditions for details. These Sleeper picks are live in over 25 states. Yeah, buddy. All right. Fun, fun time. I, I got to say this. I got to say this. I wish I were as confident and as sure about anything as Matt Kelly is on everything. God, <laughs> Matt, does those one, Matt does those in one take, Scott. He's natural on the ads. But give him a big he shout is, out. I, yeah, him. we had him on a, uh, one of my podcasts last year, and he was just – I basically just hit record and asked him like three questions, and he talked for the rest of the hour, and it was awesome. It was fantastic. Um, you know, he's not always right, but he's never in doubt, man. And God love that guy. <laughs> and I'll say, I'll give Matt a big, a big, uh, some big props because people love calling him out when he's incorrect, mm-hmm. but he owns it. we were all over Devon A chain last week mm-hmm. in like the Roto underworld. Uh, we had Sonic truth pod on Friday and we begged people to make trades for him, begged people to do whatever they could to get Devon A chain on, on their team. Alan Slaslowski was also big on Devon A chain. So you know, there's been some positives with that, but you know, Scott, how it is. It's like if you get something right, you know, a, a few people will say great job, but if you get something wrong, mm-hmm. a thousand people come out of the woodwork that didn't even listen to the show. So, but big shout out to Matt. Matt got Devon A chain uh, very correct, and uh, yeah, we hit uh, we hit on a bunch of these rookies. So it's it's gone but very. I, by the way, I guess he's come out the rookie and said it's a chan actually it's yeah not I, I saw that. So it's hard for me to say yeah. that i i, I was ready for a chain just you know a so much better he's he got so much that. better i you know come on he's gonna pronounce his name in a way that's better for the common good yeah and, and you talk about i just have to laugh at this but you talk about you know you get something right nobody remembers you get something wrong people follow you around so last week i had Thielen on my sleeper list i ranked him higher than the market did and somebody asked me a question. I do a Q&A, start, sit, an hour before. And you're trying to answer as many questions as you can. And one of the questions I was asked was, um, should I start my flex, Brian Robinson or Adam Thielen? And I said it was a tough call. I think a lot of people just would have slam dunk Robinson. And I, and I, I said, look, I don't, I'm don't. going to give you a weak vote to Robinson. I gave my rationale. And, of course, Thielen had a blow-up game. Robinson played fine with the work he was given, but the game got out of hand. He only had 10 carries. We know he's not getting a little bit more pass work this year but generally you know he's a two down pounder so Thielen was the you know was the winning play I gave up Robinson so the guy writes me back he's like oh I knew I shouldn't have listened to you I'll never do that again which is fine look people can be mad everybody wants to win I get it so I just I just thought I was curious like did I blow this should I have said Thielen and I went over to fantasy pros and I they have a who should I start feature where you can get 
everybody in the industry who has their rankings over there. You can get their opinion. So I said, okay, well, let's go to half PPR and blah, blah, blah. Okay, Robinson versus Thielen. And I got 55 answers from the industry. 55 to zero would play Brian Robinson per their rank. So I was the unlucky one who had the question asked to him. If he had asked any of 54 other people, they would have been just as dumb as I was. And, and, and then the great the kicker to this, whatever. I, mean, I, I, I take this with a grain of salt because you can't be in this industry without dealing with people kicking you in the shins. It's part of it. But then I look at his Twitter profile, and it's like, it's like, oh, no regrets, man, no regrets. I'm like, oh, okay, no, no regrets, yeah. unless unless I ask a, a stranger for fantasy advice on the internet, then I have a lot of regrets. So, anyway, I so would I would have gone Brian Robinson as well. Dan, you would have gone B Rob, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And not only that, I had that exact dilemma in one of my leagues, and I went Robinson. So. Yeah, there you go. There it is. 57 to 0, Brian Robinson. And, and yes. it's funny. I do like Robinson. I, I just don't know. Sam Howell, I'm just afraid he's going to shipwreck that passing game. And we've loved McLaurin for years. And when I when I heard that McLaurin was working out with um, Doug Baldwin a couple of years ago, I, I just got so excited because McLaurin's such a technically sound player. He's such a smart player. He wants to maximize his skills. And I fell in love with Dotson over the summer. I'm like, maybe Dotson's better than McLaurin. He has more touch on upside. And I'm just. It's at the point now where I, I'm just hoping that maybe Howell is as as good as the bad quarterbacks they've had the last few years. I don't think there's any upside there anymore. I I wouldn't yeah. be. I think that they're they're showing a ton of confidence in Howell because they have Philadelphia. They have a huge NFC East game coming up. But if it looks as bad as Buffalo, I don't know how you can't consider Jacoby Brissett with the start that they had in the first two games. If you're two and two and everything completely unravels and you've got a veteran who's you know, seen a lot. I don't know how you don't consider that change if it's if it's that bad. And they're paying Brissett. Brissett is one of the highest paid backups in the league too. So they brought yeah, him especially in. Especially with how he looked last year. Might yeah, sure. You know, Brissett was. You know, he he actually held uh, Amari Cooper up. You know, it was it was you know Cooper was a fifth round pick and uh, last year, and we ended up uh, being pretty happy if you took him there in the fifth round because he, he definitely more than returned that cost. And that's with the Brissette quarterback and uh, Deshaun Watson, you know, just playing like crap. So, yeah, I, I'm definitely hoping for Brissette there for sure. Uh, but team old receiver, by the way. I mean, not that he's quote-unquote old, but he's a boring veteran. Nobody goes in their draft like, okay, I can get me some Amari Cooper, man. And Amari Cooper's going to be the player I'm overweight on. And it's funny. A lot of people I respect are really high in Elijah Moore. I don't dislike Elijah Moore, but for a dated reference here, Amari Cooper is the the Mary, and Elijah Moore is the Rhoda. Man, you know, I mm-hmm. th- there's, there's a one and a two here. They are not co ones. I don't even know what show that is. You guys have to explain <laughs> that to me. And is, I, I'm going to try to get take. A, I'm going to take a guess. Is that like Mary and Rhoda? Is that like a Happy Days? I'm going to guess guess. Same era. About yeah. the same era. Okay. So from yeah. now on, guys, the references have to be. I'm going to get set it at 1994 and on. Okay, okay. I can do okay. 90s. Yes, yes. No okay. Late right. 90s, all I can hang. Late 90s. I have to ask you, did I, did I lose you guys with that holes reference in the chat? I didn't know what it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I figured that after I put it out there, I was like, wait a second, that was from when my kids were watching movies in the early 2000s, and that probably just doesn't quite apply for you guys. So. Um, it, it, it was one of those movies. It was just you know like a, a, a strange kids movie, but it was was actually kind of weirdly good too. So um, you know when the kids were watching that, I was like, oh, okay, I'll actually watch this as opposed to you know the eight thousand three play of uh, Monsters Incorporated. Or well, that's how you stay current, man. You have kids, <laughs> then you care about current culture. I you know when we were talking 
Matt Harmon, um, a Yahoo colleague, and I, we do a show on Sunday night where we do we debrief what just happened. And when we talked a little bit of Taylor Swift, I, I can name two Taylor Swift songs. <laughs> Guys, I think quick, you might be ahead of me on that, though. Yeah. Quick question. Um, in my waiver Hour column, I always reference Yahoo, so I know this off the top of my head. Quentin Johnston is rostered in 32% of Yahoo leagues. Josh Palmer is only rostered in four. So Josh Palmer is probably going to go for a little bit more, but he's rostered in more leagues. Where are you at in a like a fab or or a rolling list? Take it however you want, Scott. How would you prioritize Josh Palmer and your thoughts on Quentin Johnston? Do you have a favorite here? Uh, how do you see this playing out for the Mike Williams replacement role? I feel like Palmer is, is the baseball player who walks a lot and may hit a single, may hit the occasional double, and – Johnson can be a home run, but might strike out a lot. He's like Adam Dunn or somebody like that. So a little bit, and this is such a cop-out answer, but my approach to this might be what I'm, what am I trying to do? What's my objective here? If I really just need a nice playable wide receiver three slash four, I think Palmer is perfectly that. If I need, if I have a really good roster, and I just want the best player with the most explosive upside. I would have to go Johnson. And, and again, that's extremely convenient to say, well, both guys, depending on where you're at, but this game is contextual, and I think this this particular question falls in there. If I needed somebody to get on base, I would go Palmer, and Johnson's the uh, the more variable upside boom bust pick. Pretty much exactly what I said, and I have Palmer a little bit lower. Like I saw a couple people rating him as like the number one waiver wire ad. Um, you know, I would prefer a couple of these upside younger players like Marvin Mims is available in a lot of Yahoo leagues. Um, Love. Oh, God. Marvin yeah. Mims. We could do it in the whole show on Marvin Mims. Dan's right? got some <laughs> questions. I'll let Dan – Dan, you segue us into the, the Marvin Mims question. And then we got to come back when we talk Miami. There's a great question in the chat. Uh, let's not forget about that one, guys. But, Dan, why don't you take us away? All right. Yeah. So, you know, obviously the, the Dolphins were the big story this week and, uh, you know, the, the incompetence of the Broncos and, you know, all of that. Uh, you know, A-Chain and uh, Raheem Mostert, uh, you know, putting together the most fantasy points of any running back duo ever in the uh, the history of fantasy football, as far as I'm aware. I don't, I don't know if anybody's researched that, but I sure can't think of any time that uh, we got two guys that were right up around 50 points in a PPR. But then probably the most frustrating thing out of anything for anybody who's as heavy into Marvin Mims as I am, and that might be nobody who's that heavy into Marvin Mims, um, I, I'm like over 30% into Marvin Mims on my team. So, you know, it's, this is a big deal for me, but is there, is there anybody that's got a more frustrating usage right now than Marvin Mims that you guys can think of? And what do you think, Scott, or, you know, is Peyton going to figure this out or is he just going to keep, uh, you know, pounding his, his head against the wall and, uh, trotting out the same old team? It's, it comes down to the assumption of rational coaching. And I have to believe that Peyton is is not just smart enough, but he's competitive enough that he's not going to keep running out this this specialty usage for Marvin Mims. It, it reminds me a little bit, and I'm just calling it up now, of when Nick Chubb was a rookie for the Browns. I, I will never forget this, although I just wanted to call it up to be exact. He hardly plays his first three games. He gets three carries, he gets two carries, he gets two carries. And then week four, they play at Oakland. And Nick Chubb has three carries for 105 yards and two touchdowns. He rips off two long touchdown runs. And this is back in 2018. And we all write, okay, well, the Nick Chubb unveiling is here. The genie's out of the bottle. Surely Nick Chubb is here to stay. Pick him up if you can. Play him next week. Again, three for 105 and two. The next week he gets three carries for two yards. The week after that he gets three carries for 25 yards. 
I mean, how is that? That doesn't make any sense. If that was an SAT question, everybody would get it wrong. Mims, all Mims does is make splash plays. He makes splash plays in the passing game. He makes splash plays in the return game. They've actually tried to get him going as a runner a couple of times, and that hasn't exploded yet. But this is a team. The next great Broncos team is down the road. They're in evaluation mode, right? They weren't really sure if they wanted to bring Cortland Sutton back or not. And maybe Jerry Judy at this point, who I've always kind of been a little bit sympathetic to, probably an, an eyelash of a disappointment given that he was a first-round pick and you expect those players to be special and maybe Jerry Judy's just a good player and, of course, he has to prove he can stay on the field. This season should be about evaluating and developing people like Marvin Mims, who they traded up to get. So it wasn't like, oh, who do we take? I don't know. Well, this Mims guy is here. Let's take him. They, they targeted him, went after him, got him. He's making splash plays and he's getting, what, 25% snap shares. He's running just a handful, sprinkling of routes every week. If this were Hugh Jackson running the team, I think Hugh Jackson was running that Browns team. I spoke of him. I'm not positive that's correct. Obviously, the clown car that the Broncos had last year running the team, which was awful. I, I think about the Patriots clown car they had last year with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. I'd understand it. Dumb people. Stupid is as stupid does. Right. Don't why assume when somebody shows you they're an idiot or misguided or, or stubborn. And and sometimes we see this right with them. Um, remember when Thomas Jones and Jamal Charles were the backs in Kansas City, Charles would spike unlimited usage. And you wonder if Todd Haley thought, well, we're using him the right amount. Look how well he plays. Let's not mess with that. But this is an obvious case of, look, the Broncos stink. You just got beat by 50. You have one guy leaping off the page. Sean Payton's not a dumb guy. I am going to approach Mims, whether it's in free agency, if you're in a really shallow league, he's not drafted yet, starting him this week. I'm going to approach him as like, Sean Payton can't unsee this. Sean Payton is going to see the light. Sean Payton wanted this guy all along. And this this is going to be something we laugh about really soon when Marvin Mims is is a locked-in fantasy starter in just about every league. It's kind of a little bit like Tyreek Hill's rookie season, Mm -hmm. where he makes the really big special teams plays, um, gets deep, and then every game he starts seeing a higher kind of snap share, and they – we're very successful with Hill on the rushing attempts his rookie year, but the fact that they're trying to get Mims the ball, um, I think that Sean Payton's not a dummy, and I think that this is going to happen. I think by, I'll say, like week week six, he's in our lineup every single week. I think the next few weeks could be a little bit annoying just in terms of usage, but he's electric, and he's th- this offense needs a spark. They need uh, an identity, and I think Marvin Mims being a big part of the offense has to be part of the game plan for, for Sean Payton. Yeah, the, the story I'm telling myself, and, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, is that Payton really wants to trade Judy, and so he's he's mm. trying to highlight Judy. Uh, he doesn't want Mims overshadowing him, so he's trying to minimize Mims while he's highlighting Judy. And once he gets that trade done, then boom, it's, it's wheels up for Mims. Or maybe they could even trade Corton Sutton, too, who's actually oh. been quasi-productive. That's, that's a, I hadn't even thought about that. And, you know, when you said, Dan, that you were overweight on Mims, that just tells me I didn't talk to you enough or I didn't engage your work enough in the summer because, you know, when you come up with your takes, invariably, you, you, we, we always, I, I feel most preseasons, we, we compare notes, we agree on a lot of stuff, but there's always a few guys that you're like, oh, you know, I hadn't considered that player or I, I, I wasn't as locked in on this guy as I should be. And in the case of Mims, if you liked Mims where he was going in drafts, you could come away with a huge, look, you can't, if you like an early round player, a lot of it's going to depend on what draft slots you follow because some players just won't fit certain draft slots. I get it, or certain roster builds. But if you liked Marvin Mims, you should come away with a heavy Marvin Mims portfolio. And I, again, I 
kicking myself for not tapping your brain more like, like we usually do preseason. That's a, again, you know, the old PNO is winning here. The new PNO is losing. I don't like that, but I love, I don't know if it's true or not, but what you outlined with the trade and the showcasing and all that, it sounds so plausible. And isn't it cool as my dogs bark in the background? Isn't that cool? Isn't it cool that we live in a world now in the NFL that trades actually do happen in season? They used to be so infrequent. Everybody was afraid to do something, and then players would come. that change teams. It would be like they were dropped in from a, a different country. They didn't speak the language. Now teams will make trades, and we know teams need receivers, right? There are some good teams right now who are screaming for a quality receiver where a Sutton or a Judy would make sense. So I like that. I like that showcase. Remember, there's people think maybe the Cardinals are showcasing Zach Ertz. They want to – somebody needs a catch-and-fall tight end. Well, here's Zach Ertz yeah. is, right? Um, I like that. Bottom line, I think we're all in agreement that Marvin Mims this, – this picture is going to develop. I don't know when it's going to be. It's going to be soon. Now, this week is the wrong, you know, everybody's, this is Marvin Mims week in the industry. So it's not, I don't want to act like we're giving you a unique take that Marvin Mims is on the rise, but I would buy high. Even if the price was rising, I would still meet that price. I think Marvin, you're going to be glad you have Marvin Mims at some point this season. And, I, and when I say that, I don't mean like December 15th. Oh, there it is. I mean like in October, you're going to be like, I'm so glad I have that guy. I, I looked while we were talking, I tried to see if I could show up, Dan, Dan said I have more Marvin Mims than anyone. I thought maybe I'm north of thirty percent. No, I'm twenty three percent. So Dan, you you win you win this round for sure on Mims ownership. <laughs> yeah, it would, it would be hard for anybody to beat me on that one. I, I was as Scott said, you know, he's a player that if you want a lot of him, you can get a lot of him, and I definitely wanted a lot. Uh, so I I did get a lot. Um, I'm I'm just looking up my my Mims exposure for for sure here but uh while, while you're looking while that I'm up we saw that. in the chat i want to mention in the chat that uh a couple of speculation changes were throw out jerry judy to the patriots i think i'd rather see him retire than play for the patriots because that would basically end jerry judy's career and jerry judy the chiefs i just don't know if an in-division trade is ever that likely but did you guys play chiefs reliever uh, receiver roulette this summer it's like did you talk yourself into tony did you talk yourself into rice did you talk yourself into Stefan Page or Dwayne Bow or I, I have know. I have some Sky Moore. Okay, I talked myself into some Sky Moore, and I ended up with a with a not a ton, but I have some Sky Moore in in redraft and in dynasty. And I don't feel bad about that. I'm intrigued by him and Rice. Me too. I think Me the too. fact that those two guys are kind of pointing up. Um, Rice is a really fun guy to add tonight in on waivers. He's available in a bunch of leagues still, and uh, the box score doesn't doesn't twice. show. He, they overturned a touchdown for him mm-hmm. that looked really he looked really good on it. So his week could have been a lot bigger. Um so I'm I'm kinda into it. I think like Kelsey with the two like the wide receivers I think we want on the field for them with, with uh Moore and uh and Rice, I'm I'm kinda into it. I think the one of those guys, um, you know, when we get a little bit further into the season is gonna be a weekly starter. Uh you look at like kind of what Juju did and Juju was kind of dust last year. I think one of those guys could put up better weekly numbers than him for sure. It was crazy that Mahomes won the MVP last year and Kelsey was, you know, the dominant tight end that he always is. And the only other player who really came in was McKinnon late. Pacheco was okay. You you, you made your money back on Pacheco, you made a little bit of profit, but nothing that moved the needle. And the receivers were like, you know, yeah, the useless nine hundred yards and three touchdowns that Juju had. It just it just it doesn't make any sense to me. If if I like missed if I went to Tibet, missed the whole football season, I'm like, hey, hey guys, tell me what I missed. Well, Mahomes won the MVP and Kelsey was great. I'm like, okay, what what receiver came with him? Well, really none of them. Like, well, how is that possible? Did Mahomes run for nine touchdowns or something? I, I actually Mahomes was a better runner last year, but 
so I kept thinking it's Mahomes. It's the simplest thing in the world. It's Occam's razor. Simplest explanation, so often correct. Patrick Mahomes is awesome. Andrew Reid is a wizard. Somebody has to pop here in the receiver room, and I, I think Sky Moore is probably the guy I would want to. I ultimately I got a little bit of cold feet, so I'm not. I'm probably average weight on more. And I have a sprinkling of the other guys. I, I think I almost have like one of the other guys somewhere just so in case it happens. At least I'm not totally shut out like these, you know, wasted FOMO picks in the back of my roster. But it's just it's just funny that this offense can exist the way that it does. Yeah. The one thing I liked about the Patriots receivers is none of them were going to break the bank on you, um, you know, as far as draft capital. So I, I ended up about double uh, weight on Sky Moore. Uh, I was probably about one and a half weight on Rasheed Rice and then underweight on pretty much everybody else. Uh, and, and I definitely undersold my mems. I, I looked it up. Uh, I'm at 46.5% mems. Wow. So. <laughs> at this point, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't go to Baylor or something. I mean, I was trying to figure this <laughs> <Right>? out. <laughs> you would think so. But, Big, 12. Uh, Big 12 for now. Yeah. So so anyway, um, yeah, let's, let's, let's uh, talk about something that Scott kind of alluded to a little bit earlier. Uh, C.J. Stroud is looking just fantastic in Houston, that whole offense. I mean, I think... I, you know, for me, the seeing Houston be that good that quick was definitely a surprise. I, I was cautiously optimistic on Stroud going into the season, you know, like Superflex. Uh, you know, I was picking up Stroud late as a second or third quarterback or whatever. But, you know, it, it, it wasn't anything that I was really touching in, uh, in single quarterback. And, wow, I, I'm very impressed with uh, what Houston's doing on offense and what he's doing. You know, as you said, Scott, with, uh, you know, an offensive line that's just basically lawn chairs at best in front of him. And, uh, you know, he's doing all this. So thoughts on Houston, um, Tank Dell, Stroud, anywhere you want to go. One of, one of the most five most impressive players that I've seen. You, the idea is that you throw him in there, you throw him in the, in the deep end, see if he can swim. They threw him into a tidal wave. And said, "Okay, don't drown, kid." And he's like, "Don't drown. I'm going to surf." You know, I mean, he, he looks so good. He, he, you don't, you don't even have to be a football fan to appreciate what he's doing. It, just avoiding negative plays, and he, he's so calm in the pocket, and just having the awareness to step to quiet spots in the pocket, not drop his eyes to the rush. And it's, it's so hard to know some of this stuff because life in the Big Ten, Ohio State, and I'm a Michigan guy, but Ohio State's a juggernaut. They've had the best receiver. Their receiver groups have been so great that Jameson Williams had to skip towns you could play, which is mind-blowing, right? Jameson Williams, I'm not going to play here. I, I'll go to Alabama where you know, maybe there's an opening. Um, but, you know, just the Garrett Wilson and Olave and Harrison and, and JSN, it's just been ridiculous. And so you, you wonder sometimes when these players aren't under duress as much as we'd like to see, it's hard to know. How will they handle stress? How will they handle going to a situation where the guys aren't wide freaking open like they are at Ohio State, where your shirt has to get laundered after the game when it maybe didn't for half of the Ohio State schedule? And again, if I'm Carolina, I would be, and I don't dislike Bryce Young. I'm, I'm kind of neutral on Young, but I would be petrified I took the wrong guy. Now, unfortunately, even if you were pro Stroud, in your standard leagues, it's just what's the payoff, right? I mean, you weren't going to draft him as a starter. I do have Stroud on some Superflex teams where I thought he'd be playable. I had no idea he'd be this good. I don't think anybody did. On one of my better teams, I have Kirk Cousins, I have Tua, I have Stroud. And I like everybody else, I could use better running backs. I have Garrett Wilson on that team. I've accepted Garrett Wilson is now like, you know, quasi-playable. So I'm prepared to go to quarterback-needy teams and say, who do you want? If some people say, well, just trade Stroud high, right? Well, no, no, no. I'll go to the other person. Who do you want? Do you want Kirk Cousins in the carnival with a horrible defense and the 11 indoor games? Great. Let's pay up for Cousins. Do you want Tua with that track team around him? Great. 
pay up for Tua. I'm willing to trade those guys because I believe in Stroud. Now, I would want a lot for Cousins, who's going to be a great fantasy player, better than real life. I'd obviously want a lot for Tua. We, we know just how explosive they look. And if Tua stays healthy, I mean, he's the MVP favorite right now, for crying out loud. But if somebody comes up with a really strong running back or receiver for one of those guys, and I have to live with two quarterbacks only in Superflex, one of them being C.J. Stroud, I am totally fine with that. And thankfully, I'm overweight on Collins. Thankfully, I was early. I wasn't the earliest person to tank Dell because if I was, I would have drafted him a lot. But I did proactively go after him in some guillotine leagues. I went after him uh, as a free agent, actually, not even as a as a guy who was killed. But um, I I'm over on Tank Dell. I'm over on Nico Collins. I even think Robert Woods in by season, even though their their pass distribution right now is pretty even. I think Dell and Collins are going to run away with that. Woods will maybe be a little bit de-emphasized, but they don't throw a lot to the tight ends. They don't throw a lot to the running backs. I think all three of these guys are playable. Bottom line is this, C.J. Stroud, oh my freaking God. I I could not be more over the moon for this kid. 664 passing yards the last two weeks. Big win over Jacksonville. And I think what's, what's wild is he's had all this passing volume and he hasn't thrown a single interception you talked about the offensive line. I mean, this this offensive coordinator, uh, like, I don't know, the Mike McDaniel, um, when he took over Miami, people thought it was going to be like a de facto uh, Shanahan offense, and he totally changed it. This guy, Bobby Slowick, uh, comes over from San Francisco, and he's got them in 11 personnel all the time. Dell, Collins, Woods, they're playing three wide out, and, it, and it, Stroud is excelling. So... I we we had him higher than Bryce Young uh, all summer long, both on Sonic Truth Pod, Goat District, uh, you name it. Like I think we were all over that. But I said he could be like a Kirk Cousins. I think he could be like a Joe Burrow. Like he's mm-hmm. that level of quarterback. I'm so impressed with CJ. Love Stratton. that. I, I love you putting that out there. And and I agree. I I thought Cousins before the season would have been a great comp, but I think we have to raise the ceiling higher at this point. And also about coaches, the best coaches work personnel to scheme and the bad coaches say this is my scheme and you're we're going to run this no matter what the best coaches say well who do i have here and if if we have to go two tight ends we go two tight ends if we have to be a power running team we're a power running team we have to be three wide and throw it all over the lot we'll do that and also and again i'm amazed that stroud's not throwing picks i'm amazed he didn't take a sack last week but it also underscores and i don't want to hear this stuff like oh well David Carr got the confidence beat out of him because the offensive line was so bad. Court, sacks are more of a quarterback stat than they are an offensive line stat. If you have a horrible line, that's bad. I get it. But every blitz has an indicator. Quarterbacks set protections. Quarterbacks can hold the ball too long. Sometimes they trust their athleticism too much. Sam Howell. Quarterback sacks are more about the quarterback than the line. Let's just leave it at that. That's. I think that should be accepted maxim to anybody who plays football or watches football, and for some reason it isn't yet. Yeah, Scott, you've been preaching that for over 20 years, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, that's that's one of the things I've, I've definitely taken from you is uh, looking at, at sacks that way. The other thing I, I think that's really important is, you know, I'll, the truly great quarterbacks, almost all of them were good just right out of the box. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing with Stroud. Um, you know, everybody talks about, oh, you got to give quarterbacks time to develop. Yeah, for an average talent, uh, that's probably true. But the the ones that are great tend to just come right out of the box and start firing and looking great immediately. So, you know, Stroud is doing that. So I'll tell you what, if you're in a dynasty league and you can get all the Stroud, now is the time to do so. Buy high because the price isn't going down. 
you know, if you want to take a chance, he could maybe wait until after the Pittsburgh game this week and hope that, uh, you know, he has an off game and that brings down the price for you a little bit. But I'll tell you what, uh, you, d you don't want to wait much longer than that to get a hold of him because the price is just going to continue to go up. Dan, what are you paying in an FFPC single quarterback dynasty league? Not super flex. I mean, it, I would happily trade a second for him, but I, yeah. I'm, I'm afraid it might take more than that. Uh, you know, I honestly, I, I think a move that might end up looking very sharp down the line, but uh, but feels a little scary to do right now is trade Fields for him. You know, because we think, well, you know, Fields is going to get the running going. He's he's going to start putting up some you know 35, 40 point weeks. But you know, what if he doesn't? Um, I think it'd be hard to execute that. I think, I think yeah. the Stroud manager is going to be like, I don't want to go near Fields. That team, yeah, that's that team is too. on fire right now. And what yeah. what if the Bears are the worst team in football? That won't they have to draft Caleb Williams? Yeah, we oh. moved we moved Stroud uh, ahead of Fields in in Dynasty like a couple of days ago. And uh, I, I think in redraft, if you had to bet on the one that's going to finish inside the top twelve for the rest of the season, I think it's Stroud. I think it's clearly Stroud. He's already well ahead. Um, we like the the offensive scheme more. We probably like the the um, you know the supporting pieces more. Mm -hmm. Like I think mm -hmm. like those guys. You know we, you know we want a lot out of DJ Moore, but Tank Dell is doing what we wanted DJ Moore to do, and Nico Collins is worth more than any other any other receiver on that offense. So I don't know. It's I think it's Stroud in in everywhere. There's yeah. so much dysfunction with the Bears right now. They've They've hit that great concept, the Tyson zone, where like any headline about Mike Tyson you would believe is at least somewhat plausible. That's where I'm at with the Bears now. You told me anything. Look at what happened last week with their defensive coordinator, you know, resigns under some really sketchy circumstances. We don't really know what happens. There may have been an FBI raid. Apparently, like $100,000 of equipment was stolen. Fields kind of popped off about being frustrated by the play calling. You could tell me any headline related to the Chicago Bears right now. Make up anything crazy you want. Put it on the National Enquirer. I'd like, yeah. That, that's a chance that's true. Yeah, yeah, total, totally true. So um, let's switch gears just a little bit. I want to throw a question uh, from somebody up here. Uh, you know, we, we said we were going to talk about this fantasy season and, you know, kind of the, the lens coming into focus. Um, and I think this is a good way to kind of address that. Um, you know, should we be trying to trade off players like Monster or James Conner or these guys that you're just riding? Scott? Most of it is a really difficult call because, one, I, I just always loved the guy. I was um, – back when I used to do the breakfast table with myself, you know, we were really in on Mostert when he popped for San Francisco, and he was good to us. But he's at an age. It's not good for a running back. He's had a million injuries, and they have other talent there. Even even at his best, you know, the A-chain, 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 however you want to say it, that genie's out of the bottle. There's no way they're turning back from that. And at some point, Jeff Wilson's going to come back. He'll tail the role in this offense. They're obviously going to throw the ball a lot. So it's going to, it's going to be, even if you're pro Mostert, and even if he stays healthy, there's just going to be games where he gets nine touches or 11 touches, and you get to hope something pops with that. But then again, so you're going to think, well, trade him. But then anybody you trade him to is going to be like, well, how old is he? How many times has he played a full season? You know, what, what did A-chan just do last week? I almost feel like he's a forced hole because I'd want a fair, I'd want a decent return for him. I'm not going to trade him willy nilly. You know, I mean, I'm not going to trade him for Drake London or something at this point, which sounds, doesn't sound crazy, right? I mean, if we told you a month ago, oh, yeah, you could trade Raheem Mostert for Drake London, how quickly would you do that? It's like, or, you know, for Garrett Wilson or something like that. You, you just can't do those things now. But nobody expects a full season from him. So I, I it sounds like a wishy washy answer. And I'm curious to see what everybody else thinks. But I think Mostert's a forced hold right now. You're just not getting. 
the value back in return because everybody's expecting some sort of a drop in production. So if I'm winning, unless I have a huge hole in a position and I'm like stacked at running back, uh, then I'm probably just holding him and riding it out. You worry about Mostert because he's only had two full seasons. And the rest of his career has been like, he's played like a half of a season. But he was completely healthy last year. He's completely healthy now. It's the perfect scheme for him. And he's producing at an unbelievable rate. So, I don't know. Connor's a little different. Because this team, I think that like, Arizona is fighting for everything. I'm actually really impressed by Gannon and like their approach. They could be 3-0. and I was one of these people that thought Gannon was like a clown doing all the sound effects. I think maybe we read him uh, wrong. And uh, it's another coach that we just had like a bad first impression, but he actually kind of gets it. Connor has broken de- like broken down before on us. Connor's in a great situation now. And I think that the competitive nature of the team is great. But if they do start like one and seven, they could make changes. I might be more apt to move on from Connor. And I do think you might get a more level-headed um read on connor because most of it i think everybody thinks the production is going to fall off at least a little bit in terms of your league mates what do you think i, co- I co-signed let me just say quickly i co-signed everything you say about arizona i i thought and maybe they have a dan campbell situation where it's like hit the sound bites sound a little bit you know hucksterish at times or he's like a car salesman but that team plays hard as you mentioned they're like two or three plays away from being three oh i had washington as my first week survivor pick and not to mention, I had like you know, all the Jahan Dotson ready to go, and that that game aged me. That game frustrated me so much, and then I rewatched it the, like the next day, and it frustrated me all over again. And I came out of it thinking Arizona plays hard, and then they you know, they have the Giants beat, they let the Giants win, whatever, and they beat a good Dallas team. I know they got Dallas at the right time with all the injuries, and, and Dallas really you know kind of played an entitled game for three hours, but still they play hard. They're well coached, and I, I'm just I thought they were going to be the worst team in football. They're not anything close to that right now. Yeah, so going back to Mostert, um, you know, I guess my thought on that is I'm if I've got Mostert and I can trade him off for any kind of decent return, I'm probably going to do that just because of the fact that I'm, you know, with Jeff Wilson coming back, I'm not worried about A-Chain. I think that's more of a danger to Mostert than it is to A-Chain. Um, and, you know, also with Mostert's injury history, everything else. And Connor, I'm more likely to just ride him, uh, you know, for all the reasons that we just mentioned here. And, uh, you know, just to kind of comment on the, you know, the coaching staff and, you know, the Gannon sound bites, and we talked about, you know, Campbell last year and all that, you know, one of the, one of my working theories that I'm, I'm going with now is that, you know, with these coaches, when they come in, we're only seeing, you know, tiny little sound bites, tiny little slices of what's going on there. And a lot of those are put out by people who may have an agenda that's very different from what our agenda is. And, you know, so I, I'm just a little bit less trusting of, you know, is what I'm seeing representative of the whole picture or is somebody out there putting it out there because they don't like this guy or they, you know, they want to put this kind of slant on him or whatever. Uh, you know, so I, I, I guess I'm just a little bit more willing to just, you know, let things play out before I start pigeonholing coaches in any particular direction. Nick Sirianni, Nick Sirianni got a lot of flack early on, too. Mm-hmm. People didn't like his – like the initial reactions to Sirianni were not strong either. So, like, I think that's an awesome point, Dan. And there's, like, in no other no other profession – I mean, there's different different guys can, can lead the locker room. You think about, like, how opposite, like, a Mike McDaniel and a Dan Campbell are, and they're both, like, you know, doing fantastic jobs this year, completely won over their locker room. So – 
different ways to skin a cat. For sure. I always feel like with a coach, a, a successful head coach, I want him to be either the most emotionally inspiring person he can be or the smartest guy in the room and everybody knows it, right? Because I don't think Bill Belichick's given a lot of rah-rah speeches, but everybody knows what he's done and his gravitas. And um, Although him being cranky to the media, that plays a lot better when you're 11 and 5 than, yeah. than maybe when you're 6 and 8. <laughs> you sound like a jerk now. Year. Yeah, he just sounds yeah. like a, a grungy old man now, right? Yeah. But, um, and also, a lot of times we don't know the value of the assistant coaches. Our coaching is so huge in the NFL and not just head coaching, but you know, a lot of times the star – of the quarterback room. It could be the coordinator, it could be the position coach. And you know, we nobody knew who Sean McVay was 10 years ago, right? I mean, he's a rising star who was a position coach. He wasn't even a coordinator when he was in Washington, I don't think. And you know, these guys came out of nowhere. Remember, you know very well, Dan, Mike Tomlin was in Minnesota, right? And he wasn't a defensive coordinator, right? He's a position coach. And people thought he was at, you know, maybe Pittsburgh was over its skis when they hired Tomlin, but he blew them away in the interview. And I, it's funny, I actually know Steelers. I, I was fans. so mad when we retained Childress. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Go. I mean, sure. my gosh. <laughs> and, you know, Dan and I, we, we sadly, he hasn't been in my hometown league for a few years. But uh, for years, Dan was nicknaming his team after uh, one of the like worst head coaches in the league. Like what it was, it was weekend at Tom Sula's and um, weekend at Wisenhunt's, right? Ken yes. Wisenhunt, right? But you guys make great points. We're not in the locker room and we're not privy to so much that you need to make an informed choice. And I think with Arizona, it was fine to say this looks like a weak roster. I don't want to draft into it and all that, but I just went so far with it. Like it's going to be look up below. They're going to be two and fifteen. They're, they're going to be a joke, and they're not a joke at all. They're a competitive football team. That means I probably missed out on a good O'Connor opportunity or a good Hollywood Brown opportunity because they have there's a buoyancy to this team that I didn't I didn't give enough of a chance of that happening in the preseason. Yeah, I got I got really thrown off when they did the uh, Josh Dobbs trade because then I was like, oh, man, they are really looking to tank now. Uh, I did not give Dobbs the credit that he probably deserves. So, so you know, Same. yeah, it's, uh, it's it's one of those things you look back and say, well, uh, now I know I uh, won't read it wrong the next time. So let's let's talk about another situation that's going to be, I think, really interesting coming up. Uh, and that's the, the running back in uh, Indianapolis. Right now, we've got Zach Moss, Belkow. Um, did you ever think you'd hear those words put together, Scott? And For, and definitely now, not. JT, yeah, and now JT, he's eligible to come off the pup after week four is finished. So you know, one more week, he can be off the pup. You know, and I think there's a lot of fascinating questions around it. Are the Colts even going to activate him when they can? Because it's up to them to activate. You know, it's not JT doesn't decide; the Colts decide. Uh, you know, is there a tra- trademark? For, for for JT still, or is that pretty much evaporated? Uh, you know, can they resolve their differences? You know, is JT a buy low for or a sell high for fantasy? I mean, you know, where are we going with all this, Scott? I think it's possible that the damage between Taylor and the Colts is impossible to repair at this point. And the Colts are two and one. A big, it's really simplistic, but a big determination in whether or not teams change things or make radical changes is are you winning or are you losing, right? If you don't like what Arthur Smith is selling in Atlanta, you need them to lose games. So he looks in the mirror and says, maybe I'm doing it wrong. When they're winning, they're not going to make changes. Zach Moss looks better than I ever expected. And, you know, I couldn't believe it last week. I mean, look, he, he got a lot of carries. He ran the ball well. I think we all knew that was in his range of outcomes. He had a great touchdown catch. I thought Zach Moss couldn't catch a cold, right? I thought he had absolutely no receiving chops. And, 
I'm embarrassed to say that I the first week I gave out some Deion Jackson and I had some Deion Jackson just like well he's the only guy here and he's going to get those 15 or 20 touches they sure gave Deion Jackson an opportunity and, and man he played about as bad of a football game as you could play and to the point that they've since moved on from him completely which is reasonable I mean you you know you're not a good football player when they think Trey Sermon is an upgrade over you but I think Zach Moss, like, I don't have a lot of Zach Moss and it, it's it's a disappointment for me because I think they certainly made the the right coaching hire right I, I'm, I'm a big believer in it. the funny thing is right now i like everything the Colts are selling except i don't like your set right he's just he's a kook and he's a hothead and he has to understand the pr part of the job and he gives off the wrong impression a lot of times he shoots from the hip and, and says things he probably shouldn't say and even if the taylor thing even if it gets nasty privately you just shouldn't air that all out yeah. in public and they that's the way they've handled that don't close the door. Don't piss off the player. Don't make him want to sit out the season just to spite you guys. I think Taylor may want to do that. Bottom line is this. I, I don't have a lot of Zach Moss. I think there's a good chance Zach Moss is a long-term story, and it's killing me that I'm not in on it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not buying Taylor ever returning to the Colts. I think that, if anything, he'll get traded if they get the right package, and I think some team might get desperate and make a move for, for, for JT. Like Scott referenced, teams are more kind of apt to trade. Uh, we know teams were were making offers, and the Indianapolis did not accept. So, yeah, I'm with you also on Zach Moss, but like Moss has not had more than 125 touches in any season, and they're 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 giving it to him every time, and they're using him in the passing game. So, I don't know. I think as long as he holds up, he's going to be really, really, really helpful. But uh, the Trey Sermon uh, signing is funny because they give him carries right out the gate. It's a guy that's been so bad in the NFL. But I don't know. I want to have some Trey Sermon on, on some deep rosters. I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I yeah. feel like I blew it with Michael Pittman, too. I should have had more faith in Shane Steichen. Yeah, the, yeah. Pitt, Pittman has looked great. And and a lot of that really comes down to uh, AR, you know, Anthony Richardson looking better than what we thought he did, you know, or what, he, what, we, what we thought he might as a passer. Uh, you know, as far as JT goes, I mean, I guess my thoughts on it are this. Uh, he has a ton of incentive to at least want to get six games in somewhere. Told the season, yep. Yeah, to you know because he he does not want his contract to roll over. Uh, so he's you know I think there's going to be a certain point where even if the Colts play hardball, uh, JT is going to have to just you know check his ego at the door and say you know guys I I'd really like to help your team and be active and play and I think they. You know, they might take him up on it, though. I guess with Ursay being enough of a wild card, he could just say, "You know what? Just go sit in a corner. We're not going to activate you." But then I think they're risking a grievance and everything else. So you know, I I think somehow, some way, JT is going to get in at least six games. I don't know where. Uh, might be with the Colts. Might be with somebody else. Uh, Moss being a bell cow in college. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he have a ton of run and uh, with Utah? Yeah, Utah. Uh, he was, he was, Utah. He was pretty he was, heavily yeah. there, so you know, big I'm, time I'm, there. Yeah, I'm a little less worried about him being able to hold up uh, long term. I think he'll probably be able to do that. Uh, you know, he's he's definitely got the build for it. So you know, we'll we'll see though. Um, let's let's move on to uh, to Green Bay real quick. Um, you know, just a very simple question: Is Jordan Love for real? Yeah, I've been impressed. Um, look what. We talked earlier about Stroud, right? And, you know, the horrible offensive line, that the pieces around him are okay, but they're not great. The Packers have asked Jordan Love to play basically without no Christian Watson and with only one game of Aaron Jones. And I was never really the biggest A.J. Dillon fan, but he, his his value to me has just he, – he's a jag, man. He, he is – 
you're drafting him or playing him, you know, oh, well, this week Jones isn't playing. I mean, you're hoping for a touchdown because otherwise you're going to get 13 carries for 39 yards. That's the A.J. Dillon. He goes nowhere. That story goes nowhere, man. It's kind of like my introduction to this Packer theme here. But Jordan Love was thrown in kind of an impossible situation. Yeah, he had plenty of time to learn. But it's like, okay, well, you're inheriting – you're the next piece of the Favre-Rogers legacy and a fan base that's extremely, I think, a little bit spoiled at times. And your best receiver is not going to play, and all of your receivers are young. And man, I'm, I'm so impressed with Love. And also, you, you know, Sam Sam Laporta is is kind of the obvious. Oh my God, rookie tight end, throw out the rules. He's great, and everybody's trying to outdo themselves with their hot takes on Laporta. But Musgrave is the poor man's Laporta right now. He's looked good every game, and he's not. He hasn't had that blow the cover game yet. Maybe he'll have a Thursday night, and if he does, he'll be with everybody watching. Maybe he out produces Laporta, and then everybody you know trips all over themselves to say how high they had Musgrave ranked two months ago, or whatever it was. But um, very impressed with Musgrave, and very impressed with Jordan Love. I know there were some throws he liked back. He didn't play well for most of the game last week, but I mean, New Orleans is a very good defense, and the fact that he pulled up the game and had a comeback win. I mean, Mac Jones still stuck on one comeback win for the Patriots for crying out loud. I wasn't. A big Jordan Love guy two months ago. He's. I'm not going to pound the table for him the way I am for C.J. Stroud, but I've, I've certainly significantly upped my opinion of him over the last three weeks. Yeah, I think he's interesting, Dan, because we haven't seen Christian Watson on the field, and I think Watson could kind of open up that offense a little bit more. I'm hopeful we see Watson Thursday night, but Love is producing well as a fantasy quarterback. He's got seven touchdown passes, and he had the big comeback win the other day, which I think is significant. So I think the coaching staff might be getting more and more trust with him and things could open up a little bit when they have, you know, their their alpha in Watson. So I like him. I definitely I also want to say I also want to say I think LaFleur is the best NFL coach that nobody makes a big deal over. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say for sure. You know, and the you know the thing is with Love, a week ago everybody was saying, oh, you know, his touchdown rate's unsustainable. You know, this is you know, he's he's gonna turn into a pumpkin in no time. And then all of a sudden you see how he did against the Saints. And again, you know, as Scott said, you know, we've got no Christian Watson, no Aaron Jones. You know, he's dealing with a, a situation that most quarterbacks would really struggle with. And he came in there and just, you know, he's made it work. Uh, you know, so I'm definitely giving him the benefit of the doubt. I drafted a lot of love, uh, all, just basically drafted Packers everywhere. Uh, I was very big into to Luke Musgrave as well, uh, you know, exactly like Scott was talking, is being kind of a discount Laporta because in drafts, you know, he was super, super cheap. I mean, you know, last round or very close to it, unless you're in a tight end premium. And even in the tight end premiums, he was going pretty close to the last round for most of the offseason until people started waking up to him. Uh, You know, but this was an offense where I was like, you know, I liked all the individual skill players, you know, like Aaron Jones, like uh, Christian Watson. I like uh, the the potential of uh, Jaden Reed, and I like the potential of Luke Musgrave. So I'm like, if I like all these guys, I should probably draft some Jordan Love too. So, uh, you know, I kind of I, I kind of looked my way into that a little bit, but uh, you know, it, it's been working out well for sure. Another feather in his cap is he did it last week without David Bakhtiari, who's one of the key pieces of their offensive line. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, let's let's just move into uh, a couple of the running backs real quick if we got time. You, uh, you okay on time, Scott? Great. Theo, we we okay to go just a little bit over here? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Sounds good. All right. Um, so let's let's talk uh, Eagles running backs real quick. Uh, this was an interesting situation into the, you know, going into the draft. Everybody had their theories, all that. Um, DeAndre Swift has easily cracked 100 yards in each of the last two games. And if you got him, you're 
you're most likely playing him until he breaks, but has he entered your circle of trust yet, Scott? I just think the Eagles feel like whatever they do is going to work. I think they feel the game will work. We know they, they love running Hurts at the goal line. Yeah. I sound like an old man here, but I really don't think that pushing your quarterback at the goal line thing is safe. I, I don't think it's good for football, but, you know, and I know Eagle fans are like, well, show you can stop it. You know, you're just mad at us because our line's better and because Hurts is the man and all that stuff. Okay. But it's right now it's just the ultimate easy button. Um, so it's hard. I, I think it's – Swift would actually be – a player I'd be trying to sell because he he came in with a lot of draft capital. The Lions never really were all in on him, and then that you know the new regime took over. They they inherited Swift. They got their own version of Swift now, and, and Gibbs, who's you know a first round player who, who maybe is somewhat of a specialty or satellite player. The Eagles are a, an offense we want. You know they're they're a signature offense. They the high profile team. They went to the Super Bowl last year. They came within two or three plays of, of winning it. I think you could sell somebody on the idea that Swift is going to be the right answer here. And I think that Philly's going to, there's going to be some weeks that Kenneth Gainwell's the right answer. And there's going to be some weeks that it's, it's somebody else. And some weeks it's, it's Hurts who gets all the rushing touchdowns. And here's my other thing about trading. Let's say you want to trade whoever it is. You want to trade Raheem Mostert. You want to trade DeAndre Swift, whoever it is. You don't scream out, hey, DeAndre Swift's playing really well. I want to trade him. You say, I like my running back room. I, I need some help. You got good receivers, Dan. I need some receivers. I got some good backs. You could use a back. Who do you like? Let them come to Mostert. Let them come to Swift. Or ask them, rank my running backs. You don't even have to agree with what they say. If they say something that you can leverage, great. If they say something you don't agree with, argue against it. Don't don't point to the right to the guy. You know, don't point to, you know, you don't want them to pick the five of clubs. Don't stare at the five of clubs. You know, Just throw them the whole deck and see what they come up with. Yeah, and, uh, you know, kind of a, another way of looking at that, too, is, you know, like in, in a lot of leagues where you don't really know the people that, you, that you're playing with that well and you're, you know, you're just kind of throwing out trade offers blind, I like to throw out two or three similar offers, you know, with two or three running backs like that that, you know, and just let them pick, you know, hey, I'd be willing to do this deal, this deal, or this deal, which gets you the running back that you need, gets me the wide receiver that I need. And I might vary around the running back on a couple of them. I might vary around the receiver on a couple of them. And let's see what, you know, let's see what that person likes. You know, maybe they're just, you know, they click no, no, no on all three of them and, and you move on. But, you know, they might say, hey, I, I am interested in, you know, Swift, but I don't want to trade you Drake London, but I would trade you, you know, whoever. So, you know, you, you can a lot of times come to agreement like that. Or you could say, which of my running backs would you trade for the receiver I'm trying to get? And right. it's a case of if they land on the guy you want, great. If they land on a guy you don't want, you just back away from it. You say, oh, okay, I think that's a little bit too much. So give them even the illusion of a choice. You mentioned actually giving them three offers. Sometimes just say, okay, which which of my running backs would I have to trade to get you know Jalen mm-hmm. Waddle or whatever? And if they say the right answer, fine. If they don't say the right answer, then you, you go in a different direction. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. And you know, in, in getting back just to the Eagles in particular, I think, uh, you know, I have a ton of Gainwell. Um, I have some Swift, but I have a ton of Gainwell. And my my thesis here was basically that, you know, Swift is a guy who's done nothing but disappoint uh, his NFL teams and his fantasy managers. Rashad Penny's a guy who's done nothing but disappoint his NFL team and his fantasy managers. Why would I not want the, the running back who, you know, his head coach is wearing his shirt in press conferences and, uh, you know, he was – counting on him in the playoffs last year, all that kind of stuff. Why would I not? He's the cheapest guy. Why would I not want that? I don't think that that, you know, that's not broken. 
uh, you know, you still want to hang on to your Gainwell shares. I have people going, should I drop Gainwell for this guy or that guy? I'm like, why, why are you dropping Gainwell? Just hang You're on. Scooping to up, you are scooping up Kenneth Gainwell right now. And, and I love yes. that you mentioned the, the, the playoff role he had. The chips are never more in the middle than during the NFL playoffs in the Super Bowl. And, and look, I know we all knew they were going to move on from Sanders, but at that point, you're just playing the guy you trust, the guy you feel the best about, and that was obviously Kenneth Gainwell. I, I can't say enough. Now is the time to get Gainwell on the cheap. Now it, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be hit and miss. It's going to be, you know, the signal's going to go out sometimes. It, it's, it's, it's going to be. You guys going to be fine with that. But on most of my fantasy teams, this is not Dan the fantasy group we grew up with, where you got two or three stud running backs and you rolled them out and you trampled over everybody. Now you're lucky if you have one. And a lot of it is mix and match. It's ham and egg. And Kenneth Gamble fits that strategy really well with a running game we like, with an offensive line we like, with an offensive infrastructure we like. Yeah, if somebody, one of the things you have to do every week when you do the bids, you put in all those fab offers and everything, is audit who's dropped. Kenneth Gamble is going to get dropped in some leagues. And I want you, dear listener, you, dear viewer, to scoop up that Kenneth Gamble. Yeah, and you talk about contingent upside. Like DeAndre Swift looks like the best back in football, but it's a two-week sample size. And, you know, he's missed some time in his career. So, you know, Gainwell could have valuable starts for us in, like, the fantasy playoffs. Yep, definitely. So a couple couple more questions on running backs. Um, I, now, these are guys that I, I, I refer to in my own head as the high C running backs because they have less than 10% juice. Uh, but there there is a lot of octane in the offense. Um, and, and these are guys like... Madison, uh, Pacheco, I'd throw Damian Pierce in there. Uh, Cam Akers is now, uh, he, he's, he's now competition for Madison. Do you, do you guys buy any of these guys? Are you, you know, do you hold out hope for them? Is there, is there anyone here you're going, yeah, I would like to buy them low in a trade? I'm, Pacheco's, Pacheco's my preference on that list. I'll start with that. Okay. I think Pierce is interesting because I think the Houston offense is pointing up and you know, he's had some interesting usage weeks, but just very, very poor production. But we saw it last year. Um, none of them get me that excited, though, of that of that list, Dan. It, it, I can't blame you. <laughs> no doubt about yeah, it. It's, it's funny. You know, I was I wrote uh, or maybe I talked on the show with Matt Harmon. I talked about earlier. I, I just made a, a comment about Madison was productive on Sunday, but I hadn't had a chance to watch all the snaps yet. And then when I rewatched that game or actually watch it for the first time, and I, look, I'm rooting for Madison. I mean, he got off to a bad start, and, and then some of the rotten people out there just made his life miserable on social media. Which is, I just don't do that. Don't. The first rule in life is just don't be a jerk, yeah. right? You know, don't do something that you wouldn't want somebody to do to your kids or whatever. Don't don't be like that. So I was happy that he had a productive game, but I mean, he was putting the ball on the ground. He was dropping passes. Not that Cam Akers is anything special, but they have brought in Akers. I think at some point Chandler has to get more involved. And it's just so funny. I mean, last year, I mean, Dan knows this well, but the Vikings go 13 and four. They're outscored. They win all the coin flip games. It just seems like this year they're paying that the, the taxes come due when they're going to lose all the close games. And, you know, last, last week the Chargers and the Vikings had this. Somebody has to lose this game in, in excruciating fashion bowl. The Chargers tried to give it away. The Vikings said, we don't want it. I don't know how Minnesota was running the clock at the last minute. Like, let's get the limited amount of snaps possible here, guys, and make sure we don't win. But um, I'm just worried that the Vikings aren't really sold on Madison to begin with. Uh, eventually they were going to bring in competition. We thought maybe it might be Hunt. It wasn't. But the thing with Pacheco is I think Kansas City really does believe he's their best back, but they want to use here, – here's the thing with backfields, right? You can reduce a backfield to two. That's good, especially if the quarterback doesn't run all that much. Mahomes will sprinkle and running. But when a backfield could be three deep, that's, three deep is the committee now. Two deep is like, oh, we can live with that. You know, Montgomery and Gibbs can coexist when Montgomery's healthy, and that's totally fine. You know, 
Um, there's plenty of teams that if you get it down to two, we know what to do with that. We can distribute double touches to each guy every week on a projection, and we can play those guys. Once you get three deep, it becomes problematic. So I would love it if Kansas City found a way to reduce down to two. And look, I'm a McKinnon guy, too. He's a little bit like that Mostert case where it's like it's so late in his career. If it was going to happen, it probably would have happened by now. But, man, was he talking about a guy who was trusted in the late season in the playoffs that was Jarek McKinnon last year. I still think Pacheco is the most – and, and we, we've all fallen out of love with CEH if we liked him at all and what a bad pick that ended up being. But I think Pacheco's the quote-unquote upside guy here in Minnesota. I'm just – I'm in Minnesota – in Kansas City. I'm just concerned that it might be three-headed, and therefore it's just, there's a cap ceiling as well. Yeah, totally makes sense. So let's uh, – before we get out of here, um, let, let's talk about the Rams a little bit. Um, you know, they were kind of an interesting team. Definitely, uh, you know, if – if we'd ask the question after week two, uh, you know, which offenses have surprised you the most? I think the Rams would be uh, pretty close to number one with me as as far as most surprising offenses. But they came back to earth a little bit last uh, last night, and you know, yet there's still some interesting players, some interesting situations there. Kyron, uh, you know, he's still king of the world with the Rams backfield. There's nobody else getting touches back there at all. Uh, Puka came back to earth a little bit last night um you know are the good times gone forever for him or is he somebody that you're still pretty excited about and say eh, bad games happen every once in a while uh, what, what are your thoughts on those two guys scott first of all i williams is a much better player than i thought i may, i knew him a little bit at notre dame i know he had the bad combine run and maybe he's a slower back he put a hundred percent of the snaps monday a hundred percent he drew seven targets i know only two of them were complete but Anybody who's going to be on the field that much and is tied to a Sean McVay offense. And I actually think Stafford's played reasonably well. I know that there are some metrics out there that he hasn't been, th- he's kind of lagging in accurate ball pass percentage. So um, maybe the Kua's, you know, ability to adjust to the ball is making him look good, making contested catches. And man, I, I was not early to Nakua, and that's no fun. I, I do think the is here to stay, even when Cup comes back. The bottom line is here's the thing with the Rams to me. They're kind of a poor man's version of Arizona. I thought this team had lookout below potential. I was avoiding Cup like the plague. That, that may wind up being right for the wrong reasons because you know I, I didn't say he, he'd miss all. I, I thought he had injury risk. I didn't think he was already hurt to the point that he we didn't know when he would come back. But I did avoid Cup. Um, I, I thought Acres might be quasi playable. I thought Tyler Higby might be doing what Zach Ertz is doing. Higby's not doing that, but um, I didn't shove in on Nakua or draft him. That was a mistake. Stafford has more left than I thought. That was a mistake. Williams is a better player than I expected. That was a mistake. I think Williams, because running back is so ugly right now, I think he has to be a top 20 running back. I'm going to be 15, 17, 19, something like that. Because there just aren't, it just gets gross so quickly. It becomes the Shawshank 500 yard crawl so quickly at running back. And they, don't have anybody else. I, and I know sometimes that can give you, just because somebody's the only show in town, I, I kind of thought that was a case for Acres a month ago. It obviously wasn't. But um, when I see somebody playing 100% of snaps on Monday Night Football, yeah, he's the only show in town. I completely agree with you on Kyron Williams. That's an RB2. That's what we want, him getting all those targets. Uh, and Puka, it was a huge positive. Like, you see all these people, I think, disappointed because they watch him for the first time on Monday Night Football. But a bad game for him was 12 and a half points in PPR. Like you start going down the list guys of, of wide receiver twos. Uh, you know, that's something you'll, you'll absolutely take. Uh, it wasn't the historical start that he had in the first two games, but enough to get you by most weeks. Uh, if you had your roster pro- properly constructed and you weren't like buying high on Puka after like week one and some huge trade, then you're still in good shape with that. But you know, what's funny guys is 
you don't hear any reports on Cooper Cup. There's none. There's no like, hey, Cooper Cup looks good. Cooper Cup is jogging. Like, I'm very pessimistic about this. I feel like you usually teams leak something that a guy's looking good, getting back back to health, um, some kind of positive buzz, and we don't hear anything about Cooper Cup, like zero. This could be the right time to trade for Puka, actually, because a little bit of the steam came off, and he's been comically he, – he should have two or three touchdowns. And he's had a couple of plays that just missed. He got tackled close to the goal line, or there's one connection. I think he had a foot out of bounds. Obviously, he has all those targets. And I so agree with what you said about Cup. It's it's when slash if he comes back. This is not a guarantee that Cooper Cup. And I say this sadly. He, I thought he should have been the NFL's MVP. They will never give it to a wide receiver. If they wouldn't give it to Jerry Rice or Randy Moss, they're not going to give it to Cooper Cup. But I thought he was the best player in football two years ago, and it's no fun when he's not playing. But um, Puka... Not that the Puka manager is going to, oh, yeah, you know, sure, I'll, I'll trade him for whatever you got. You know, Give me Alexander Madison, call it a day. That's never going to happen. But at least you can tell yourself a story. He had a quiet game. It was an island game. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet. Um, he's not the, the hottest story in the league now. Now Miami's the hottest story in the league. Maybe the trade price might be a little bit more reasonable, and I would be buying. Yeah, totally makes sense. Um, you know, I did have a lot of Kyron, uh, do have a lot of Kyron. I kind of came to it. Uh, this sort of the same way I came to Gainwell, where it was just you know I, I I looked at Acres and you know how many times how many ways is he disappointed and uh, his relationship with with McVeigh felt very fraught uh, you know so it just kind of felt like you know and then we start hearing you know the good news nuggets in training camp about Kyron Williams and looking good and he's going to have a role and all that kind of stuff so I just started kind of stockpiling him there uh, I wish I'd done that with Puka. Uh, I just didn't, you know, because I, this is one of those process plays where I, I sit there and I say, well, you know, fourth, fifth round wide receivers, how many of these guys do we hear about in training camps and the glowing reports and, oh, they're going to be great. They're going to be fantastic. And the season rolls around and that's the last you ever hear of them was that third preseason game. Uh, you know, and so I thought, you know, this is kind of what's going on with Puka. But, you know, definitely I think my my flaw was not, you know, a, if I'm listening to that on Kyron, I should probably listen to it on Puka a little bit. And also, you know, with with Cup being out, you know, there was that opportunity there, uh, which I didn't properly wait. But, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think Puka is maybe a little bit of a buy right now um, coming off this bad game. Go out there, put out some offers, see if somebody's scared that this is the new reality. And, uh, you know, maybe you can get something off of that. Would you rather have Puka or T. Higgins right now? <laughs> I mean, uh, I think it might be Puka. T. Higgins is, I mean, it depends if T. Higgins is my wide receiver three in so, somehow, and I can, you know, accept the boom bust nature of him. But you've got also the, the fact that Joe Burrow looks very hobbled and the offense is running completely through Jamar Chase. So, like, I think T. Higgins is a really, really talented player. Uh, I think if it was a neutral situation and it was like, which player could I have on the Kansas City Chiefs? With Patrick Mahomes, it's T. Higgins a million times out of, out of a million. But for fantasy football, I know Puka Nakua is going to give me a, a better weekly floor than T. Higgins is right now. We've seen it in two out of three weeks. You said that so well. I mean, I mean T. Higgins is like having pocket kings, and then the board run out is four hearts and an ace, and you just know you lost. Somebody's got an yep. ace or somebody's got a heart, and your kings are worthless. I don't want to say T. Higgins is worthless, but he's had the worst possible run out with the Burrow injury. And by my math, 
Jamal, Jamal Chase had a, one th- a 100% target share on Monday night. Every pass was to him. I was playing against him in a couple of leagues where all I needed him to do was basically not do the Keenan Allen game. And I, he, I thought he was going to get there, even though Burrow didn't look good. And, that, man, it just football sucks when Joe Burrow's hurt, but Burrow doesn't look good. And, um, yeah, T. Higgins, man, I maybe – Look, after week one, the bagel, we all knew that wasn't real. So, like, the cheapest advice going was to give out, go get T. Higgins. I don't know how gettable that was. The real money play was T. Higgins to, quote, unquote, get back to business and then trade him after week two. That's what I probably should have done. Yeah, it was kind of, T was kind of an interesting situation. Uh, you know, Theo can tell you, I, I, I was down on T at his draft capital, you know, what it was costing to get him because I was like, you know, this, is, this, this guy is a second wide receiver. And, you know, it's Chase and it's not close when it comes to, you know, Burrow's favorite target. Uh, you know, T can certainly have some weeks, but, you know, he was being drafted at a point where, you know, even with, with uh, Chase out five weeks last year, T still could not have paid that, off, that draft price off with what you were having to pay for him this year. So it just, you know, to me, it wasn't worth it. You know, if, if he'd been going a round or two later, I'd have been all over him. I'd probably, you know, have buckets and buckets of T. But, uh, you know, fortunately, he was going just... Just heavy enough that I didn't get that much, but uh, but I think you're exactly right. I mean, you know the the Puka Nakua story, especially with you know the possibility the cup might not come back. You know that looks so much more compelling than uh, any case you can paint for T right now. And I think and that's Dan, probably a trade you could get done all day. And Dan, you have the all of the the highly draft high draft capital wide receiver twos on their own team. You trade any single one of them for Keenan Allen right now, including Devonta Smith, um, but T. Higgins especially. I think a lot a lot of managers took T. Higgins, and Waddle obviously you know missed the game this past week with health. Uh, he could have been a big part of the seventy point onslaught, um, you know, in a, in a different universe. But it's the T. Higgins over Keenan Allen is just like the tilting one for so many managers staring at their old draft boards. I'm sure I have some of that. Yeah. Yeah, I was I, I was fortunate. Like I say, I was I was heavily in on uh, Keenan Allen, probably to the detriment of myself on uh, a, a couple other players that I would like to have, like uh, T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, you know, who I know in real life is you know less exciting than he is in fantasy. But uh, in a tight end, PPR premium, God, PPR yeah, premium yeah. God, PPR God. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many catches T.J. Hawkinson would need to go over a hundred yards, but it doesn't matter because he he already has seven for sixty five in his back pocket. Right, exactly, and that's you know that's that that's the whole thing there. Uh, you know, and if if you're playing in a lot of tight end premium, uh, you know those are the guys you want to highlight. You know, you want to grab those guys rather, you know, not so much the George Kittles who are gonna, you know, have you know three for ninety five and a touchdown. Uh, you you want to get the Tockinson seven for sixty five. He is a drumbeat man. He is so consistent, and at a position where it's just been so awful with. Kelsey misses a game, and Andrews can't get anything going. And then Dallas Goddard, who I still think is a wonderful player, but it's just never going to be featured on that offense. It's just he gets lost in the shuffle there. And then, it, it, I mean, he's Dallas Goddard is like George Harrison on the Beatles, right? Where George Harrison gets two songs, they're great. It's like, oh, John, oh, Paul, you know, write us another song. You know, tell us, tell us another story, and we'll we'll see George, you know, next album. For I mean. Here Comes the Sun might be my favorite Beatles song, but George Harrison needed to go solo to say everything he had to say because he was buried behind A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith and Jalen Hurts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's uh, let's let's go out on this. Uh, we're talking about tight ends, and we barely covered him at all. Uh, Darren Waller, uh, is, is he a buy right now or a hold or, or a sell for you guys? He's a hold. 
I think we saw him have production against Arizona, did nothing against Dallas, but the the entire team did nothing against Dallas. And this past game, it was very disappointing, but it was San Francisco it was a buzzsaw. I think that the Seattle game is tilting. At the end of the day, Darren Waller has to be utilized if they're going to turn this thing around. The wide receivers are inconsistent. He's definitely not going to return what you what you had what you the kind of draft capital you put into him. I just don't think the offense is going to support that. But I think he could beat what he was last year, which was tight end ten overall in, in tight end points per game. I think he could be higher than that. I think he'll bounce back. Um, but you probably trade him for Sam Laporta. I mostly co-sign what Theo said. Again, we talk about the bad runouts, right? I mean, look at the Steelers' offense. Here's your schedule: San Francisco. Good luck, uh, Cleveland. Who I, somehow Cleveland got a, a member from the NFL that they could play 15 guys on every snap? It's unbelievable how. I, and look, I get it. You know, Tennessee could make a lot of defenses look good, but that that defense looks too good to be true right now. That's what the Giants have faced. They faced Dallas at the worst time, and Dallas ate their lunch. And then they they faced the 49ers at the worst time, and, and the Niners ate their lunch. I still believe in Dable. I still believe in Daniel Jones for what what we believe he is. You know, a useful fantasy player, and you know, kind of a hit and miss real life guy. And as much as I'm always kind of a Darius Slayton sympathizer, and, and who knows, maybe Hyatt will be a player someday, but that receiver room is a factory of sadness. They need Darren Waller. If he stays healthy, he's going to, by accident, be like tight end six or seven. He's got the upside to maybe get into that group right behind Kelsey. So I, I co-sign with Theo. I would go get Darren Waller. I mean, not not at all costs, but um, if, if it's you know arrow up, arrow down, arrow neutral, I would say, yeah, the arrow still pointing up for Waller. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too. I think his, his two worst games are probably behind him. So, um, you know, as long as he can stay healthy, I, I, I think, you know, everything we're looking for, uh, you know, the, the thesis is still valid. So, you know, let's let's see what happens, though. I will say the Vite, or the uh, the Giants offense is, is relatively disappointing, even considering who they've played. Uh, you know, you still have to be mildly disappointed by what's going on in Giants land. Big time. Big time. Yeah. And, and, and Theo, of course, knows all about that having uh, in the New York area. So uh. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Giants fans are, are not very happy, and, and neither are Jets fans. It's a it's a well, sad. Let, let me pivot off that. I I, ha- I know I talked about him in, in brief at the beginning. Garrett Wilson is one of my roast roster players. Just make me feel better about that. I think he's in he's in a an elite talent, and I refuse to believe that it's going to be Zach Wilson for the entire year. I think that literally anyone would be better than Zach Wilson. And it's incredibly frustrating. We talked about Josh Dobbs. We've, you know, Andy Dalton goes out and has a a tremendous game. You would trade Zach Wilson for legitimately 55 NFL quarterbacks. No question in my mind. I think it's, it's either Robert Sala gets fired and the next head coach puts in a different coach, I mean, a different quarterback, or they make a quarterback change. But I don't understand why Sala is being so loyal to Wilson, I would make the switch to pretty much anybody you can't run an NFL offense. So I don't know if that makes you feel worse, but I don't feel great about my Garrett Wilson uh, shares either. It's very, very frustrating because he's such a great player. It's like Odell Beckham year two Odell uh, if Odell had the worst quarterback on earth. And, you know, we we suffered through Nathaniel, Nathaniel Hackett over his skis as the Denver coach. We were okay with him going to the Jets because, well, it's him and Rodgers. They're simpatico. But once Rodgers is out of the picture, maybe Hackett's part of the problem too. It's, I think of almost every backup, and even you know, obviously Washington's not going to trade Brissett or 
the Colts aren't going to trade Minshew, but th- those guys would look like Joe Namath right now on the Jets. Uh, you know, um, Sam Darnold. If they still had Darnold, I, I could you know squint and see some upside there. You know, obviously these are not going to happen. These deals aren't going to happen. I still wonder if a team like Minnesota, and I know the cap's complicated in the NFL, but a team like Minnesota tanks or the the Titans have their next quarterback who isn't Tannehill on the roster. I mean, they couldn't go for Ryan Tannehill. They couldn't yeah. figure out the way to make that work. But here's the bottom line, Theo. You said it. Anything is is better, right? What's the Coughlin's law? Anything else is anything different is always something better or something like that. Whatever you do, Jets, just do something different because Zach Wilson is the worst possible answer. Yeah. I know Trevor Simeon's not a you know any kind of a solution, but whatever. I, I take Joe Flacco. I take Mike White back. I take anything. And by the way, if you're in a, a super flex league, I hate to say this, but Mike White's better be on a roster because if Tua gets hurt, I know Mike White's not Tua, but Mike McDaniel, I think, could make anybody look great in this offense. So to make sure Mike White's not percolating out there because the week that Tua does get hurt, if it happens, I'm not wishing it into existence. We're all going to wish we had their quarterback. I remember, Dan, you, you said to me, I, I was playing Scrabble one weekend. You said, oh, Kurt Warner got hurt. I guess Trent Green is the keys to the Ferrari now. It, maybe Green didn't go to the moon quite like we thought. And actually, that Rams 2000 team was the best offense I'd ever seen. They didn't go to the Super Bowl that year until Werner got hurt. I remember one one week their kicker got hurt, and they started going for two after every touchdown. I'm like, they should just do this all the time. Nobody can stop these guys. But anyway, I'm getting off topic. Jets, I don't care. Joe Namath, uh, Glenn Foley, you know, Vinny Testaverde, um, Ray Lucas, I don't care. Get somebody, anybody. He can't be named Zach Wilson. I've had it. Well, they they have that commercial about the uh, you know the old NFL players unretiring, and I'm like, man, any of those quarterbacks, I would take them any. RG three, RG three out of the. I would out of the seriously booth. take Matt Ryan. Yeah. I would take yeah, Matt right? Ryan. And, and, and the Matt the Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz just sitting out there would be a massive upgrade. I mean, it's not even close to me. So I don't understand it. Um, it's incredibly frustrating. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll I'll tell you one thing. Uh, you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call the mind one of uh, Scott's maxims here. Uh, when you're putting Garrett Wilson in your lineup, does that not feel like playing for the friendliest loss or what? I mean, it's just it's it's so tough. I'm hoping for one miracle a week, right? I mean, he got <laughs> right. it the first week where yeah. Wilson threw an interception. Uh, Zach Wilson, plus they have the same last name, which is just annoying. As if Pickens and Pickett wasn't annoying enough. We have two Wilsons. The good Wilson and the awful Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yes. Oh, well, Wilson couldn't catch the pass from Zach Wilson. Plus, can we just come to, as Joe Sheehan always says, can we just agree on one spelling on Zach? Does it have to be different for every every guy, it seems like? But, um, yeah, you're hoping for one miracle a week. He got it the first game against Buffalo. He turned an interception into a touchdown pass. He housed a slant touchdown against the Cowboys in a day where nothing else went wrong. And then also – this offense is also shipwrecking uh, Brees Hall. I know they don't want to overextend Hall right now, but doesn't this kind of have the the Zeke and Tony Pollard feel to it, where Cook is the guy who's cooked, Brees Hall is the guy who's explosive and is just wait, you know, just a young puppy who wants to get out of the cage and play, and the Jets are like, no, you'll stay in the cage for a while. Yeah, it started to look better this past week, so hopefully that continues. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. All right, Scott, we should probably get you out of here. We appreciate you uh, sticking with us, uh, you know, as long as you did. Uh, this has been fantastic. Uh, always a highlight of uh, my time, anytime when I can get you on a podcast. So I uh, really, really enjoyed this. Uh, why don't you let people know, again, where they can find you, what you got going on. Make, make sure you tell them about the uh, the podcast you do with Matt Harmon, too. I think that's one of the most listenable, you know, with actionable podcasts that you can listen to. 
Thank you so much for that. And thanks you for so much for having me, guys. Yeah, I, I do. Um, Matt Harmon is the leader of our podcast ship, the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast, and doing an awesome job with it. I am the Sunday night guest. I will also be on periodically other days during the week, but we start taping Sunday night and just debrief everything that happened and, and try to get a sense of where the puck is headed and what we're doing with Fab and who we're panicking about and all that stuff. And then it goes well over an hour. And again, you know, you guys know Matt. He's about as good of a receiver analyst as we have and, and just a really cool guy we have fun too because this game is supposed to be fun i catch my written work at yahoo sports uh, every tuesday i'm doing a thing called on target which is all about receiver data it could be targets it could be routes run it could be end zone looks tyler lockett's got seven end zone targets already I, i'd like to get my hands on some more lockett if i could there's an old receiver i wasn't afraid to draft but uh, you can catch me on twitter scott underscore pianowski and I do cover other stuff. I cover baseball. I cover a little bit of hockey. And if you want to talk movies, you want to show me a picture of your dog, you want to brag about your kid just scored 17 points or won the science fair, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a human being too. But love talking football. And, and Dan, Theo, thank you so much for having me on your show. You guys are smart. You guys are fun. You guys are grounded. Um, we own the stuff we get wrong. We want to get better. And the, the mistake I'm going to clean up this year, I'm going to make sure I have a long conversation with both of you next year so I can draft better for 2024. No, this was a blast. And uh, everybody, please check out uh, press coverage. I have Jax Falcone, Scott Bollinger on tomorrow at 1 p.m. Uh, and then Billy Muzio and I uh, on First Class Fantasy on Thursday, 3.30. We have Davis Maddock coming on. And, Dan, are you and J- J.D. doing an owner's lounge this week? Uh, we're going to – I believe we're going to do a tailgate show for sure, try to get in an owner's lounge as well. Uh, the owner's lounge is a little bit up in the air, but uh, for sure the tailgate – and uh, yeah, we, we we've definitely got some dynasty stuff we need to get uh, covered. So we're gonna try and to make sure well. make sure you subscribe to the Goat District podcast as well. Dan and JD are putting out a bunch of extra shows. I put an extra waiver wire show. We're doing a lot of extra things uh, over on the Goat District YouTube page and also the Goat District. Make sure you po- uh, uh, subscribe to it anywhere you can get your podcasts. Uh, this was awesome tonight. Um, Dan, take us out of here. All right, yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, again, you know, make sure you hit that like. Make sure you hit that subscribe. Make sure you go over to the Goat District. Uh, do the same thing there. We appreciate you all, and we will catch you all later. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense (laughs) Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T district, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. 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 And I always be traded. 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 And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Fish. Fish.